Young adults, what's going on? You guys good? Hey, while you're taking a seat, you love how like passively that suggestion is. While you're taking your seat, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug, high five. Let them know that this is going to be one of the best nights of their life because they get to sit beside you tonight and you're so prayed up. You're so full of the Holy Spirit that it's just going to leak out of your pores, right? Some of you are like, where am I? Like, hey, how many people love that song? I love that song. I, I've, I've been reading through the Bible in 30 days. It's because I'm that spiritual. Um, no, we, uh, myself, my wife, our intern class, and a lot of uh, people on staff have just challenged ourselves to read the Bible through in 30 days. I would recommend it and not recommend it at the exact same time. Um, you'd have to do it for yourself to understand why, but it's incredible because it's just revealed so many different layers of God's heart and how religion is such this institution that we make when we think we're honoring God and trying to respond to him. When God, all he wants is a relationship with us out of, out of the honesty of who we are as we allow Jesus to transform us. And so I love that song. I think it's incredible. Um, one of my favorites. That, that has nothing to do with the night, but I just wanted to throw that out there for you guys. How many people, it's your, we good? All right. How many people, it's your first time being here with us tonight? First time, raise your hand. Awesome. Hey, we just wanted to say welcome. Um, we know, we're very aware that there might be a lot of people in this room that don't necessarily believe what we believe, but you don't have to right away um, to belong here. This is home for you. But you'll find out very quickly that I am a Jesus person. Um, we are a Jesus church, and I feel like a lot of you are like, hey, you say this every single time you talk. Like, why do you do this? Because it's true. I'm obsessed with Jesus. I think he's literally the most incredible person on the planet, and I'll even go a step further and say, I believe that Jesus isn't just a person. I believe that Jesus was God incarnate in the flesh who died for the sins of the world and was raised to life in three days. And so you'll learn very quickly um, that we love Jesus here. And if you're in this room tonight and maybe you're like, hey, like, I'm not too sure about this whole Jesus thing. Like, maybe he was a historical figure, like maybe whatever, like that's okay for you to start there. But my challenge for you tonight would be open up your heart to the potential of Jesus possibly being something a little more than you walked in here thinking. Because I promise you, when you encounter Jesus for who he says he is, the son of God, the savior of the world, you will leave totally different than when you came and you'll experience a peace and a joy and and just a rest for your soul. You'll experience this something real. Like we live in a world that's so artificial sometimes. Like he's the most real person on the planet and in heaven, I guess. He's not on the planet anymore. But open up to that. And if you're in here tonight, maybe you've been a Christian for 5, 10, 15 years. Don't let Jesus grow old to you. See Jesus in a new light tonight. Fall more in love with Jesus. Just get caught up in the wonder of who Jesus is. And I just think that it's going to be an amazing night if we can lift up Jesus. Um, we've been in a series the past couple weeks called How to Live Your Best Life. 
And we believe that the world and our culture and society has a lot of different plans for us when it comes to living our best life. Maybe it's through achieving uh, vocational goals or um, some type of sexual fulfillment and having a lot of sexual partners or fame or whatever. But we believe that the Bible is very clear. The best life begins when you encounter Jesus. And then Jesus gives us some principles to sort of continue to experience our best life. And the first week we talked about generosity and how God wants us to, to live a generous life, uh, a generous spirit and generosity with our finances. Last week we talked about serving and how God exalts servants. The kingdom of heaven is upside down. And when we try to push ourselves forward, the Bible says God will humble us. But when we humble ourselves and serve, God will exalt us. And we said that Jesus can do more with a servant than he can with a talent. And I honestly believe that. And so tonight, we are gonna conclude our series on how to live your best life with the one final principle. There's probably more in the Bible. These are the three that we've decided to talk about. The one final principle we believe is so important, especially in this stage of life, in your mid-20s and early 20s, to get to experience God's best for you. And so if you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 43. Who here has their Bible with them? Old school, leather Bible. Give it a little flap, flap it around. Now everybody who doesn't have one, judge them. Look at them, judge them. I'm kidding. If you don't have a, a fake leather Bible in your hand, you can use your phone or it'll be up on the screen. John chapter 1, starting in verse 43, it says this. It says, the next day, Jesus decided to go to the region of Galilee. At this point, Jesus was running around collecting disciples around Galilee. I've been there. It's no big deal. It's really cool, but I've been to Galilee. It's awesome. I feel like that's a weird preacher brag thing. Like, I've been there, but whatever. Okay, focus. There he found Philip, and he said to Philip, hey, come follow me. Now, Philip, Andrew, and Peter were all from the same village of Bethsaida, or wherever that is. Then Philip went to look for his friend, Nathaniel, and he told him, now, Listen to this, because this is a pretty big claim for a Jewish guy to make. He said, we found him. We found the one that we've been waiting for. It's Jesus, the son of Joseph uh, from Nazareth. He's the anointed one. He's the one that Moses and all the prophets said would come. And probably being a logical thinker, it said Nathaniel sneered and said, Nazareth? What good would ever come out of Nazareth? And Philip answered and said, come and see, come and just... Let's find out. And it said, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said, now, what did it say? Something just popped up. Okay, here we go. It said, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said, now here comes a true son of Israel, an honest man with no hidden motive. Nathaniel was stunned and said, you've never met me. Like, how do you know anything about me? And Jesus said, Nathaniel, right before Philip came to you, I saw you sitting under the shade of the fig tree. And apparently Nathaniel didn't need much to be convinced because it said Nathaniel blurted out, Teacher, you are truly the Son of God and the King of Israel. And Jesus answered, Do you believe simply because I saw you sitting under a fig tree? You will experience even more impressive things than that. I prophesy to you eternal truth. From now on, you all will see all the skies of heaven open up and gaze upon the Son of Man like a stairway reaching into the sky with messengers of God climbing up and down upon him. The title of my message tonight, if you're taking notes, and how many know, I say it every time, but it's true, and it's because I love you guys. If you take notes, bigger house in heaven. It's just, it's true. More, more jewels in the crown, whatever you want, your choice. 
title of my message tonight is this, sharing your faith, come and see. Sharing your faith, you just gotta come and see. Can we pray and then we're gonna let this thing rip, okay? Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Father God, it is such an honor to be in your presence. It's an honor to just get to talk about Jesus, to learn about Jesus, to commune with Jesus, to be in the presence of your spirit. Jesus, you're truly the most fascinating person, the most fascinating God, the most fascinating savior of the world. You're amazing. You're the only one deserving of any time, any attention, and even one second that we get to spend with you is just life-changing. So Jesus, meet with us. Holy Spirit, meet with us tonight. Will we just get an opportunity to experience your presence and leave different than when we came in? Jesus, in your name, we pray this prayer. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Hey, real quick, special shout out to everybody online. Kat, this is for you. Um, If you're not watching from Barbados, you're in trouble. But we love you and we miss you. All right, had to do that. Made a promise like six months ago and forgot to do it. So here we go. Tonight, I wanna talk about sharing our faith. And I wanna talk about why this is a principle that God has put into place for us to experience God's best in this life, to experience our best life here on this earth. Now, I'm sure when we talk about the topic of sharing our faith, there's a lot of thoughts that come up in our mind because we live in a world that is actually very hostile to anyone sharing anything, really. Nonetheless, faith. Oh, we live in a world that is so hostile to this idea of truth, especially if your truth is supposedly better or more correct than my truth. We live in a world that is obsessed with relativism, that, that there's real no truth, there's no black and white, there's no hard line anywhere, there's no right or wrong. It's all just kind of relative, dependent on you and your situation. We live in a world that's sort of obsessed with this only God can judge me, and he will. No, kidding. Um, this only God can judge me mentality of you can't tell me what's best for me. Only I can tell me what's best for me. You can't tell me that what you know or what you do or what you experience is better than what I know or I do or I experience. And so, sort of rightfully so, as Christians, I feel like when the topic of sharing our faith comes up, we tend to feel a little anxious. You might be sitting in your chair and you might be having this honest thought, why would sharing my faith be a part of me experiencing my best life here on this earth? And I'm going to give you a really simple answer, and I'll explain it here in a minute, but I think the reason it's part of experiencing your best life is because, in short, there's blessing in obedience. There's blessing when we're obedient to God. And you're like, okay, what do you mean here? Ever since the beginning of time, God has created you and me and humanity overall to be stewards of the good things that God has. For example, in Genesis chapter one, God created heaven and earth. He created animals, the ocean, mountains, grass, trees, whatever. And he put Adam and Eve in the middle of the garden to steward the good thing that he had created. Later on down the road, we meet a guy named Moses. And God gives Moses the Ten Commandments and the law. And these are good things. They're they're here to show us God's righteousness and God's morality and God's sense of what's right and what's wrong. And Moses and the Israelites were given this to steward the good things, the laws 
of God. And later on in the Old Testament, God gives direction on how to build him a tent, and then later on build him a house, the, the tabernacle and the temple. And these are good things that God has called people to steward. And in our day and in our age, we have been given the best thing, not just a good thing. We have been given the best thing, and that is the message of Jesus Christ to take to as many people as we possibly can. God has given us. You Think about this. You are specifically designed to be in this room, to be in this cultural climate for 2019, to be a messenger of the good news of Jesus Christ. Your life was called to steward that kind of greatness. So if you're in here and you feel disqualified, you're not. Like God could have had you at any point in time in history. And he chose you to be right now to steward the good news of the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus even tells us that, that we're called to share our faith and that's how we experience our best life. He even says it, get this, after he's been raised from the dead. He says this in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. A lot of you might know this. It's called the Great Commission. But he's, Jesus says this after he's been dead and comes back to life. When somebody's dead and comes back to life, you tend to pay very close attention to what they say to you because they've done something that you will never experience outside of being God himself. And so that is Jesus here. And he says this. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus tells his followers post-resurrection, go, take this message of how good I am and go, take it to as many people as possible. Go into all the world and start sharing your faith. And it's interesting because if you do a word study of the Greek translation for go, it means this, go. I think a lot of us in here like to overcomplicate this thing. But when Jesus says go, it literally means go. He's saying go and share your faith. Do this that I'm telling you to do because there's life on the other side of it. Your best life that you won't experience unless you listen to Jesus and do what he's asking you to do, which is go share your faith. See, every single person in this room tonight, whether you believe in Jesus or not, it is God's heart and desire for you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is God's desire, God's plan for every single person in this room to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. However, there is not a single person in this room that is called to have a private relationship with Jesus. All of us in here are called to have a personal relationship with Jesus. No one in here is called to have a private relationship with Jesus. And yet, most of us in here, if we're being totally honest, myself included in this, can be so hesitant to share our faith with other people, to share what we have experienced happen in our life through Jesus. And I honestly think the reason isn't bad. I, I don't think it's because we're cowards necessarily or, or want to deny Jesus or whatever. I think it's honestly a little more like this. I think we just don't want to feel like salesmen. Have you guys ever met like that person that loves like the pyramid schemes and like, I'm not going to call any of them out specifically. I've done that multiple times in the past. It's never gone well for me, but 
You know that one friend that's like always wanting to hang out and you're like, awesome. And then they're always like, hey man, would you like to make $3,000 working two hours a month? And you're like, I mean, yeah, who wouldn't? And you're like, you know, this just, just always seems like there's some pitch that they have for you that like, you can't just hang out and watch football. Go Vikings. Like you can't just hang out and watch football and, and just hang out. Like there, there's a pitch. There's a reason for your interaction, right? I think a lot of us, we feel a little hesitant because we don't, we don't want to come off as salesmen. Or I think a lot of us in here, because for the most part, I think we're pretty good people. I don't think we want to offend anybody. First Corinthians um, in verse 118, it actually tells us that when you share your faith, you actually will offend some people. So if you want to live your whole life never offending anyone, you're not going to experience the best that God has for you because he's called you to share your faith. And the Bible tells us when you share your faith, you are going to ruffle some feathers. It actually says that the people that don't know Jesus, it could be considered foolishness to them. But honestly, I think a lot of the times when we're hesitant to share our faith, it's just because we don't, we don't go out with the intention of how many people can I tick off and just totally like walk out the door angry at me. You know what I mean? We're hesitant because I think that we feel this weird sort of pressure to like make the sale and like convince somebody in a conversation to give their life to God, confess their sins and experience this new life. There's this there's this weird sort of pressure, I think, that comes with sharing our faith, and I think it's unnecessary. For example, when I was in college, I had a roommate who was of a different faith, of another major world religion. And, excuse me, this guy was amazing. This guy was incredible. He was such an amazing guy. And over the course of us just getting to know each other, we started to have more conversations on faith and religion. And then the conversation started steering more and more towards Jesus. And we started talking about um, who Jesus is and why am I so convinced that Jesus is this good. And so we're having these dialogues back and forth. And there were even moments in time where he would come up to me and be like, hey, man, I really am so interested in Jesus, but I just don't think you understand what it's gonna mean for me to follow him. Because for him, it was a lot less about uh, being embarrassed, saying that I'm, my life has been wrong and now I have to correct it. Like he lived in a place where his family would literally be like, hey, you are no longer welcome home if you accept Jesus. Like not like figuratively, like we're disappointed in you. Like do not come home we don't know who you are. Stop talking to us. We are going to act like you've never been born. And so I can't imagine that kind of pressure. But that was the kind of thing that he was wrestling with. And we were having these amazing conversations. And one day, I remember it very vividly. I was sitting in my room watching TV, and he came into my room. And, he, and all of his life, he had kind of been battling this skin condition. Um, and he was getting multiple treatments, multiple medications. Nothing seemed to work. And he came into my room and he's like, hey, I have a question for you. And I'm like, yeah. And I could tell he was super nervous, super hesitant. And he was like, could you pray to Jesus that my skin would be healed? And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, like absolutely. I 100% will pray for your skin to be healed. And I was so excited but at the same time, I was so nervous and felt so much pressure because now, like, I've been talking this game, like, now it's time to, like, perform. And now it's time to, like, produce results, right? 
And so I remember, like, I was a baby, like, wee baby Christian, and I mustered every little ounce of faith that I had, and I was like, God, would you heal my friend? Would you show him how much you love him? Show him how much you care about him? And if I'm being totally honest, I would love to sit here and be like, and magically his skin was healed, and he professed Jesus, and he's crushing the game. It didn't happen. He didn't, he didn't accept Jesus. His skin stayed the same. It's something that I would love to have a conversation with Jesus with in heaven. Like, God, why didn't you heal my friend? Like, I think that would have been like the thing. And I felt like so much pressure to convince my friend and to make the sale and to make it work. But here's what's so awesome. And can I give all of us sort of this sigh of relief tonight? Very few people, if ever, will come to Jesus because of a convincing conversation that you're gonna have with them. Very few people will ever come to know Jesus because of a theological argument that you win over them. Very few people are gonna come to know Jesus because your ability to break down some obscure uh, passage in scripture that they're confused about and they say that that's the reason why they can't accept Jesus, but if, if you explain it perfectly, then maybe they'll consider, like, that, that's not gonna be the thing that leads them to Jesus. Very few people, if ever, will be convinced to follow Jesus because of your ability to pitch them the Christian life or to give them your salesmanship. But I wanna look back in John chapter one of the story we read earlier in the Bible because I think it's amazing. Jesus is walking around this giant, beautiful lake. It's, they call it the Sea of Galilee. It's more of a lake. Like I said, I've been there, but who, who cares? You know, no. I've been on a boat there where Jesus walked on water. Does it make me more spiritual? I don't know, you know? (laughs) Kidding. You're like, no, but seriously, shut up now. So (laughs) John chapter one, Jesus is walking around the Sea of Galilee and he finds this guy named Philip and he says, Philip, hey, follow me. And Philip is like, "Uh, okay, I will. I'll follow you, Jesus. And I guess we don't know how long Philip had been following Jesus to this point, but throughout their interaction, Philip came to realize something very um, specific about Jesus, that he was different than any other person he had come into contact with or interacted with, that Jesus was different than any other person. He was so much so convinced that he was different that he went far enough to say that this is the Messiah, this is the Savior that Moses and Abraham and David would sing about. Like, this right here is the guy. And just think for a minute, put yourself in that context. Like, if you've lived your whole life um, as a Jew growing up in the area and you're waiting for for one day, this Messiah, this Savior to be there, like, it would be a pretty hard sell to be like, hey, guess what? Found him. Found the guy that has been prophesied about for thousands of years. Got him. Know exactly where he's at. Want to go meet him. But, but Philip met Jesus, and, and that's sort of the mindset that he had. He's like, oh my gosh, this is the guy. And so it says, Philip goes and finds his friend Nathaniel, and he tells him all this. And I love this. Nathaniel hesitantly agrees to go with him to meet Jesus. Like, don't we have in our mind whenever we like invite a friend to church, they'll be like, okay, I've been I've been waiting my whole life for this. (laughs) But one of the first invitations to meet Jesus, we see the guy goes hesitantly. And basically, he says, listen, Philip, great for you. Glad you met somebody that makes your life work. Your truth, not my truth. You know, like Nathaniel was like, 
a, a millennial, modern day millennial, and he was like, you know, hey, that's great for you. Since you're my friend, I'll go. But if I'm being honest, I don't have a ton of high expectations. And it wasn't until Nathaniel encountered Jesus for himself, where he was changed forever and nothing about his life would ever be the same. So track with me for a minute. Philip gives just the most modest invitation ever. Hey, come and see. Just come check it out. Let's, let's figure it out. Nathaniel says, I don't buy it, but I'm gonna go. And then Nathaniel encounters Jesus and then he believes. So I want you to see here in this story that we have, the first ever invitation to church, it wasn't in the power of Philip's invitation that convinced Nathaniel to change his mind. It wasn't in uh, Philip's invitation, the way he asked, the way he approached, that convinced uh, Nathaniel to change his mind. It was Nathaniel's encounter with Jesus that changed Nathaniel forever. All Philip did was invite, literally, that's it. All he did was say, bro, I have encountered something that has changed me forever. You have to come and see this. And Nathaniel was like, whatever, I'll come because you're my friend. And boom, he meets Jesus and is forever changed. So this leads us to an obvious question. If the power isn't, the power of sharing our faith, if it's not in our ability to give great invitations, if it's not, if there's not honestly a ton of power in the way we invite, if there's power in the encounter with Jesus, the obvious question then is how do we live lives that get our loved ones, our friends, our family, our coworkers, uh, whoever, to have these encounters with Jesus so that they can be changed forever? And I think when it comes to this, to sharing our faith and, and giving other people opportunities to encounter Jesus, this is where Christians are notorious for making things way more difficult than they need to be. I think we get so hung up on the methodology of sharing our faith or apologetical stances and defending our faith. And, and those things are very important. There are some good ways, good methods, I guess, of sharing your faith. And apologetics is great. I'm all for it. I love it. I'm a church nerd. It's awesome. But I think when we kind of get lost in all the methodology and apologetics, we miss the fundamental truths about being a Christian and sharing our faith with other people. And over tonight, I want to go over just three basic fundamentals that all of us can implement in our life tonight as we walk out these doors that I think will make us better and more confident and experience the life that God has for us when it comes to sharing our faith with other people. So three things, and again, these three things are not foolproof methods. They're not tactics to go into your work and attack and surprise your coworkers and your family. They're just fundamental truths that I believe if we put into practice and adapt in our life, It'll make us so much more confident and effective when it comes to sharing our faith. And the first one, it's actually a question that I think as Christians we should ask ourselves every single day of our life, and it is this. Is the gospel, gospel literally means good news, is the good news still good news to you? Is Jesus still the best news you've ever heard? 
and your entire life? Is the good news still good news to you? Because as humans, it's natural for us to want to hide bad news or not be excited about bad news. When the doctor's report comes back and it's not looking good, when the grades aren't lining up and your parents want to kill you, when the relationship is on the brink and both of you kind of know it, but none of you know how to verbalize it, like it's natural for us to want to hide and push away bad news. But we have the not just good news, the greatest news on the planet, Jesus Christ, alive, raised from the dead so that we can have an unhindered relationship with a real God and experience something real in our hearts and our souls. And we tend to be hesitant in sharing this news. And so I think every day we have to ask ourselves, is Jesus still good news? Is Jesus still good news to me? Not just to my friend, not just to the one that I know has this problem or whatever. Is Jesus still good news to me? Is Jesus, does his name just fill your heart and fill your soul with wonder? Does Jesus still just just make you want to stand in amazement when you think about his goodness and his greatness? Do you remember before Jesus? Before you, you started kind of walking in line with Jesus, how broken and how hurt and how messed up you were and how different you are now that the good news of Jesus has come into your life. Listen, you might not be perfect. You might still have some things you're working through. You might still have some moments where you fall every once in a while. There still might be some valleys to get to those mountaintops. But do you remember how good it was? The first time your soul heard that there was this God that loved you and cared about you, not for who you could be, but for the broken person that you were right now. And he didn't say, hey, put your life together, mend your life together, and then come and let's talk. He knelt with you and he said, hey, let me help you piece these broken parts of you together. Let me make you whole. Let me give you peace. Let me give you joy. Let me show you grace. Do you still every day fight to stand in awe and wonder of Jesus? Is the good news still good news to you? Because when people encounter the good news of Jesus, it seems to be this natural reaction to just go and tell people about it. All throughout the Bible, we see people who encounter Jesus and then go tell other people totally unprovoked. Jesus, he meets with this woman at a well. And he asks her for a drink, and she's like, what are you doing here? Uh, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. There's some, there's some racism kind of in between us, like we don't associate. And Jesus is like, girl, I'm about to blow up your world. Like, I don't care about race or your gender. Like, I am for everybody. And so he sits there, and she's like, they, they start this dialogue. And then Jesus is like, hey, guess what? You've had five husbands, and now you have a live-in boyfriend. I'm not cool with that. And so she gets nervous and changes the, t- the topic. But long story short, Jesus says, lady, listen, I have something to offer you that will change you forever. I have water that you can drink of and you will never be thirsty. Again, he's talking about salvation in him. And it says this woman was so in awe of Jesus, this outcast. She ran back to her village where nobody wanted to talk to her and got a whole village to come out and experience Jesus. She said, 
guys, I have just had this encounter with this person and he has told me everything I have ever done. You have to come see this guy. And this is what I love. Like the people were like, listen, we thought Jesus was cool when you talked about him. We've experienced him for ourselves. We know he is who he says he is. When you encounter good news of Jesus, you can't help but go out and share it. There are multiple accounts in the Bible of blind men and lepers, people with skin disease that, that had to sit outside the city gates because they were outcast and nobody wanted them. And in that culture, this is terrible, but they said, the reason you're blind, the reason you have skin problems is because of a sin you or your family committed down the road. And this is God's judgment and his punishment on you. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. I don't think you understand. I have come not, and they would sit outside the gate and they would just beg. They would beg for money, like, hey, help us. Nobody cares about us. And Jesus said, I have come not just to give you money. I'm going to restore your dignity. I'm going to restore your place in society. I'm going to show you the love and grace that God has for you. Blind eyes see, and people would see. They would, they're blind their whole life, and Jesus would open their eyes, and they would see, and they would run into town, and they would say, I've encountered someone who has changed me in a way that I have never been changed. Before, Philip meets Jesus walking around a lake and it, it impacted him so much he had to find a friend and say, I've encountered something that has changed me and I'm, I'm different. All these people, for the first time in their life, encountered something real, something substantial, something with weight and substance for their soul. It wasn't an additive to their life to have a slightly better life. It rearranged their spirit and their heart and the way they viewed people and the way they viewed the world. Jesus transformed them and they encountered him and they couldn't help but share that. And so young adult, I just wanna ask you, is the good news of Jesus still good news to you? When you hear about Jesus, when you wake up in the morning and read your Bible, when you think about Jesus, is it still good news to your soul? Because when Jesus is good news, and he is, he's the best news. You can't help but go and share him with other people. My second point, and sort of the foundational principles in sharing our faith, it kind of shift a little bit and understand our part in this process, and it is this. You invite, Jesus saves. You invite, Jesus saves. In our story in John chapter one, Philip invited Nathaniel to meet Jesus. That is it. That is all Philip did. He says, hey, come and see. We don't see Philip walk around and be like, okay, listen, I know Nathaniel. Nathaniel is arrogant. He thinks he's super smart. He went to DU and he's better than everyone. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Zach, kidding. But he's like, I need a strategy to come at Nathaniel because I know the way this guy works. Or he didn't go approach Nathaniel and be like, Nathaniel, everything you've believed in your life is wrong. Guess what? I'm right, you're wrong. How many people want to hang out with somebody like that? No one. You know what he said? Hey, I've encountered something that's changed me. Come and see. But this is where, again, we as Christians like to complicate things. We like to have this bulletproof dialogue sort of written out in our head that will allow us to shoot down any opposition that we face. And I know I mentioned it earlier, but newsflash, you will face opposition when sharing your faith. Not every coworker is gonna jump for joy when you're like, let me tell you about Jesus. It might take one invitation, 10 invitations, 100 invitations. 
Not everybody is gonna be pumped when you share your faith. And so what we do as sort of a defense mechanism is we look for this foolproof method, this foolproof dialogue, the Roman road where you know we were separated and the cross came down and let us walk back to God or the scarlet thread of redemption where it talks about Jesus and every book of the Bible and how he's always been the saving plan or, or that. Or maybe we get so psyched up with one of our friends that are super smart and we're like, how can I talk about evolution and young earth and what about the dinosaurs? And I don't know, like, what is the earth getting hotter or is it just all crazy? Like, what is going Like, we think of all these things, all these, like, minutiae that we think we have to know and study to go share our faith. And we end up forgetting the most main point in, the, in this whole process is that there was a man who was born of a virgin, came from heaven, claimed to be God, lived a perfect sinless life, prophesied to his followers, Philip and Nathaniel being two of them, that he was going to die for the sins of the world, be crucified on a Roman cross, be buried in the tomb of a rich man, but be raised to life in three days and be seated forever at the hand of God. And guess what? He did it all. Jesus did it all. He did everything that he was going to say, that he said he was going to do. And I think we get so caught up in wanting to have this perfect, flawless defense. And listen, the Bible encourages us, be ready to give an answer for what you believe. I'm not saying walk around ignorantly and blissfully with your head in the clouds. Like, study the Bible. Know your word. Like, know the language of the culture. But at the end of the day... I honestly believe the most powerful and most effective way to share your faith is to simply extend the invitation and say, come and see a person, God, who has changed me and made me different than when I was. Just come and see. Come check it out for yourself. Come and see. Philip simply invited Nathaniel to come and see what he experienced. The woman at the well simply invited a village, said, come check this out. And the village did. Nicodemus, he's one of my most favorite characters in the Bible. He's this, he's this scholar, and so many people are being changed by Jesus. He couldn't help but go to Jesus in the middle of the night and see for himself and encounter Jesus. And he actually ends up being one of the people that pulls Jesus off the cross and buries him. A, a very bold declaration of, I'm with this guy. And it was all because he just had to see. He just had to come and see, and you know what that means for us as young adults in this world, in this cultural climate, when it comes to sharing our faith, the pressure is off. The pressure is off. I don't care how spiritual you are in this room. I don't care if you read your Bible in one day, nonetheless, 30 days. I don't care if you pray for 12 hours a day and fast six out of the seven days of the week. There is not one person in this room smart enough, powerful enough, spiritual enough to save a human soul. God never put that on you. And so don't feel any pressure to be any person's savior. Your only role in this process is to say, hey, come and see what I've experienced. We invite and Jesus saves. We invite and Jesus does the hard work. We invite and Jesus changes the life. We invite and Jesus heals the scars. We invite and Jesus makes dead broken, hurt things new. Multiple times, this is sort of like a theme in the Bible. The Bible says, one man sows, another reaps, but God brings the harvest. How true. You invite, you invite, then maybe a friend 
has that conversation with someone that's like, I want to give my life to Jesus, but it's God that's been doing the hard work in their soul of, of softening that hard heart and making them open to the story of the most incredible person in the world, Jesus Christ. Our job is simply to say, hey, you have to come and see what I've encountered for myself because it's changed me. And you can sit back and watch what the Spirit of God does in that person's life as you simply extend that invitation to them. Number one, is Jesus still good news to you? Because he is. Number two, it's only your job to invite Jesus saves. And band, you guys can make your way on up. My last principle in this thought of sharing our faith is simply this. Bring people along with you in your journey. Bring people along with you in your journey as you follow Jesus. Now, a lot of us in this room believe that the call to follow Jesus is to be a disciple and to get along as many Christians as possible, to invite as many Christians along our journey as possible. And that's great. I think God wants you to have a really tight group of Christian friends. But I don't mean bring other Christians along on your journey. I mean bring people that don't know God, don't care about God, don't know Jesus. Bring those people along on your journey with you. The point of that is so that people can see your progress as you continue to become more and more like Jesus. And maybe through your life, they will see Jesus working through you and say, hey, that's real. I want that in my life. Too. And I know a lot of us in here, when we talk about bringing somebody along on our journey of faith, we get nervous because we're very aware, hey, I am not perfect. I'm not perfect. If I invite somebody along on my journey, they might see some flaws. If I invite somebody that doesn't know Jesus on my journey, I'm nervous because I'm, I'm not going to be the most perfect representation of how good God is. And can I tell you, that's okay. God's not after perfection. There's only one person that's perfect, Jesus. Everybody else on the planet, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. It's about becoming more like Jesus every single day. And just maybe, if you invite somebody along on your journey and they see you stumble and they see you fall and they see you apologize and they see you pick yourself back up and encourage yourself in God's word and encourage yourself at church and they see how you progress, just maybe your progress can encourage them that if they want to follow Jesus, they don't have to be perfect to start the process. Maybe your story, your progress is a key to having somebody just begin that conversation of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Have any of you just ever had friends that are just like, dude, you're different? Like Thursday nights after YA, you used to go down to the clubs not saying anybody in here does that, but if you do, conviction, no kidding. <laughs> but man, you're different. Like you used to like do this, but now you kind of like do this, like you're, you're changing, like you're different. And that comes from inviting people along your story, not expecting perfection. Listen, if you were perfect, you'd probably be so intimidating to the person that you were trying to, to reach that they wouldn't want anything to do with you. But when you allow people into your story, when you bring somebody along your story, they see your progress and it lets them know, hey, listen, I, I guess I don't have to be perfect to follow Jesus. Maybe Jesus loves me just the way 
that I am, like they, they talk about, and there's room for me to grow, and there's room for me to develop, and there's room for me to, to fall and get back up, and there's room for me to say, God, I'm sorry, and he said, that's great, I've got you, like keep on going, you're doing a good job. You know what I mean? The Bible says there's two things that the devil, the enemy of our soul, can't overcome. One, the blood of the lamb, which is Jesus Christ, and two, your story, the power of your testimony. Testimony is a fancy word for your story, your journey. Two things the devil can't overcome, Jesus and your story. How amazing would it be if we as young adults stand in awe every single day of the good news of Jesus and we just get obsessed with how good the news is and that it's still good news for us. What if we tonight took all the pressure off our shoulders and know that that, that's on God who has much bigger shoulders than us and it's our role to just invite people to experience what we've experienced ourselves. What if we tonight open up our lives, live big, wide open, expansive lives and invite other people along in our journey? Because I believe if we do those things, we'll experience a life, God's best life, that we never knew was possible and we will be more comfortable, more effective, more like Jesus when it comes to sharing our faith with other people. Can we stand? I wanna pray. Hey, maybe you're in here tonight and you hear me talking about good news. And listen, I know there's a lot of churches out there, or maybe a lot of Christians that you've met. And when they talk about Jesus, it seems like really bad news. The Bible doesn't call Jesus bad news. The Bible calls Jesus good news. There's good news. If you're in here tonight and you don't know Jesus as your savior, maybe you heard me talking about how amazing Jesus is. And you're like, if I'm just being honest, I haven't experienced that. I've heard about it, but I haven't experienced, experienced it for myself. I wanna invite you to experience the good news of Jesus Christ. Right now, I'm not trying to be weird, but this, this might be happening to some of you. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will begin to work on your heart. And Jesus says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. To those who open, I will come and live with them forever. There might be some of you right now, you just feel this sort of like rush. I don't know, you feel like maybe God's reaching out to you for the very first time in your life. And when he's reaching out to you, it's not to tell you how bad you are, how broken you are, how terrible you are. It's to tell you how much he loves you, how much grace he has for you, all the pain that you've walked through, all the things that have been done to you that were not your fault, how he has mercy and grace and can help you come out of those things. If you're in here tonight and you just feel like the God of the universe, Jesus Christ, is trying to make a connection with you for the very first time, could you lift your hand? I wanna, I wanna say a simple prayer with you. It's not the prayer that's gonna introduce you to Jesus. It's just your desire and acknowledgement of him. And he's gonna come and he's gonna make, your, make a home in your heart. Would you lift your hand one more time? Awesome, thank you, thank you, thank you. I wanna pray with you in a minute. And then maybe you're in here tonight and you say, Connor, if I'm being honest, I've been one of those Christians that have had a personal relationship with Jesus, but I've kind of been living it privately. And, it, and I would be willing to bet that you probably haven't experienced God's best for you in your life, the, the life that the Bible says you can have. If you're in here tonight and you're like, listen, I, I've been a private Christian, but I wanna be bold with my faith. I wanna start living out these principles, sharing the good news of Jesus with people I come in contact with. Would you lift your hand and just make, draw a line in the sand tonight and be like, God, would you just put people in my path that I could share with you, that I could just simply invite? God, would you put people in my mind that I could invite into my story 
so that they could see you work in my life and hopefully that would lead them, lead them to you. Can we all pray together? For those of you that raised your hand to accept Jesus, I just want you in your own words to echo this. Jesus, thank you for reaching out to me, for, for, for contacting me, for, for wanting to have a relationship with me, for wanting to know me as I am and not wanting to, to make me perform for you, but you actually did something for me. Jesus, I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. Would you change me? Could I encounter you the way that Philip encountered you and Nathaniel encountered you? Could I, could I have an encounter with you tonight? Would you be the Lord of my life? I wanna follow you. For those of us that raised our hand, I just wanna pray, Father God, this week, maybe even tonight, would you start to put people on our minds that we need to share our faith with? We don't have to be weird. We don't have to be offensive. We just need to be intentional with inviting people into what we've encountered with you. And God, I pray that you would just set up appointments throughout this week for everyone tonight that you align in the sand and said, God, I wanna start sharing my faith with you. Would you put people in their path that they could share this good news of Jesus with? Jesus, it's in your name we pray and we can't wait to worship you. And everybody said, amen.